from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 59. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, Hover, Simplified Domain Management, and Fracture, photos printed in vivid color directly on glass. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure, as always, by being joined by Mr. Federico Fittigi. Hello, Mike. Hello, Federico. Hi. Hi, and Mr. Stephen Hackett as well. <laughs> hello, sir. How are you? Hello, Mike, and also hello, Federico. Hello, Stephen, and also Mike again. And hello to the listeners out there. This has been Connected. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen, let's do some follow-up. Uh, yeah, so it's it's two-part follow-up today. Uh, the first one is about 3D Touch. So we're going to talk about 3D Touch later in the show. Are we following up before we've even got to the topic? Yeah, it's... Well, because we have to take care of the past issues with the topic before we can move to the present issues of the topic. Okay. What? Have you not learned anything on how this works? This has gotten so confusing. All these prepositions after the follow part of the show. Follow up, follow in, follow out. This is like follow before or something. Yeah, it's like a combo in Street Fighter. I'm not sure I'm following anymore. Whatever. It's like follow follow around. Okay. Okay. Follow round robin. We had talked uh, concerning 3D Touch. If if, uh, some people would find it uncomfortable to use because you got to put force down mike i think you and i had both voiced uh some concern about that we heard from a couple people this week saying that that was uh, indeed the case for them that they found the act of like pushing kind of through the glass uh that sort of sensation being uncomfortable um i think it's nice that apple included in accessibility the option to adjust the sensitivity of 3d touch so there's basically low like the medium, which is the default, and then high. And they even include a little image on that screen where you can practice the 3D touch just to kind of see how it feels. Um, I've ended up turning mine down uh, so it's easier, not because it was uncomfortable for my thumb, but I because I have this 6S Plus and because I use it one-handed a good bit of the time, I knew that I was just going to 3D touch it out of my hand. Um, and so I turned it down to be a little bit e- easier, so I don't, I'm like pushing down an icon and it just like flips out of my hand into the abyss. But uh, so yeah, so there's that. Um, have you guys had any issues with it? Um, are you trolling me? <laughs> oh, Federico! <laughs> uh, I did turn it all the way down. Uh, I've said this before. I will maintain my position. I find 3D touch a little bit uncomfortable, uh, just because you're smushing. You know, you're like smushing your finger into the screen. Um, I did have pain in my thumb, but I think it's because I was like a couple of days ago. But like, I think I was using it too much, right? I was, I was like, constantly trying to activate the um, the multitasking thing, and I think the problem is because uh, it's so far away, right, on the six plus, <laughs> uh, that if you <laughs> if you play around a bit too much, uh, it's it's gonna hurt. But like, I actually don't like that's the title. Uh, I actually don't like the 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 multitasking gesture i think it's a bit awkward um to activate so i'll probably keep to the home button but yeah i did turn it all the way down and, and i i like the the force touch to in it's in the like the the what is it called this the actual setting the lowest mm. sensitivity whatever they call it yeah uh, i think it's i think it's nicer that way you guys have clearly never played super smash brothers or street fighter or tekken to a very obsessive extent because the more you play these games you develop some kind of thumb resistance 
and you never feel pain or, you know, slight touches on your thumb ever again. So I feel like this won't be an issue for me because I have the, the, the thumb skin of a, of a gamer. And I, I, well, really I mean, I, my issue isn't, uh, isn't so much the problem with the skin on my thumb. It's the pain in the joints. It doesn't hurt my thumb like the tip of my thumb. It's hurting like the, the joint of my thumb. And I'm probably like in the minority. And I was saying it's an upgrade. I'm very sensitive to the thought of RSI at the moment. Um, so I think I'm, I'm like, overreacting. Uh, but it's just because it's it's really, really in the front of my mind because I've been getting wrist pains again. So I think I'm just, I'm very sensitive to the idea of something making that worse. Uh, so mm. I'm, I'm ju- I, I, it's just been something I've been thinking about. Uh, but we'll talk about 3D Touch and our opinions of it a little bit later on in the show today. Hey, why don't you, why don't you press with your nose, Mike? Do you know what? I haven't tried that. Yeah, Let's do that right now. You're, you're so proud of your nose as, a, as oh, an input wait. mechanism. Yeah, it works, man. Are you... Uh, are you seriously trying to press your nose against the, the glass? I of am the doing iPhone it right success? now. Like, and I'm selecting something with workflow, so I'm like dragging my nose across the screen. But the problem is, when you're that close to the phone, you can't see it. That's that's the. Only this problem. has gone too far, man. I activated a workflow. What one? I activated the convert time zones workflow. With your nose. With my nose. And 3D touch. Good work. Yep. I feel like I have gone too far. It's a miracle of technology, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for trying, Michael. Carlos sent in some follow-up uh, about the Apple oh. TV in regards to Apple Music. How is he doing? He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he's, he's you know, hammering away on the Apple TV or something. Um, and so this is what Carlos said. This is in discussion, in response to the discussion we had about Apple Music and, and the seeming lack of support in the Apple TV. So this is what uh, they said. With music, you can choose things on the screen with Siri, which is probably accessibility driven. So, for example, if you're on the Apple Music new page and it shows Ellie Golding, uh, you can say play Ellie Golding and it will play, or you could say show me activity playlists and it would go to that screen. But if, for example, you said play the Arctic Monkeys and none of their music was on that page, you get an error. So currently, there's no way to access Apple Music content beyond what is featured on new and for you, providing you're on those screens. Interestingly, Siri does correctly interpret the band name and artists displaying them in the Siri UI, it just can't do anything with them. Um, and some Siri commands that are supported in the music app are play, pause, fast forward, and start over. Not supported are skip track, next track, and next. How weird, right? Like, especially the music commands, because you can see the music commands that work are the commands that you would say when you're watching a TV show, right? Like play, pause, fast forward, and start over. But skip track, next track, and next. Obviously, you don't say those things when you're watching something on the TV, so they're not going to work. So, again pre-release but if this is the way it actually is that's super strange to me maybe carlos should try in spanish that's a good point except his name was bob until you changed it so i don't know if that i don't know if he's had time to learn spanish in a week oh no what i didn't say before his full name was spanish bob uh and now we've we've changed it to carlos so I, i can improvise some spanish like prothima cancion i guess it's next track you know, yeah. I'm just making up Spanish words from Italian ones. <laughs> I don't think our Spanish friends would be very happy that that's I'm sorry, how you consider but it's that just, It's really similar. And I have new, I, I made some new Spanish friends here in Rome. They're studying at the same dance uh, school where Silvia goes. And I'm, I'm, 
I studied Spanish back in middle school and I haven't right. spoken, you know, any Spanish in like 10 years, but I understand Spanish quite a bit. And now I'm, you know, with these new friends, I'm, I'm exposed to more Spanish every day, but still, uh, Prothima Cantion is probably not, not the right way to say it. Hang on. So I'm, t- I'm sure we will get tons of follow-up. Can you back up a second? You were in middle sure. school 10 years ago? Hmm. Um, no, actually, it's a little more. The thing to remember is like the, the, what people call so. schools, the different types of schools is different all over the world. Yeah, but yeah. you're not 18 in middle school anywhere. No, but I mean. more like 15 years ago, Stephen. Well, thank you for making me feel old. I bet you were feeling <laughs> alone today, so you really needed this. Thank you for making me feel younger. <laughs> and thank you all for making me feel the exact same age as I was before, even though yeah. I hardly ever know what that is. Uh, El Capitan reviews are out. It comes out. Uh, September 30th, which is tomorrow as we record this. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. It's not... Uh, it's fine, right? I've been running it on my laptop. Uh, the, the best parts that I find about El Capitan is, like, the Notes app. Uh, and I love the new mission control. Mm-hmm. Um, the split-screen stuff. I like all of that. So, I think... Uh, I think El Capitan is an interesting release, but it's not a very noteworthy one like there was nothing in it in in my opinion and my review's coming up a little bit later today um in my opinion there's nothing in it that couldn't be a point update to yosemite honestly Uh, i think i think it's fine like they're gonna do this annual release thing and that's fine i don't like it uh but they don't listen to me but the hey rich shouldn't either wow Mm -hmm. um I don't understand why they do an annual release. I just, I just wish they didn't. I think though, when they when they do these annual releases, that there's only so much that they can get done within a year. I mean, even look at uh, photos. You know, it came out in ten ten three, so it was it was basically mid cycle Yosemite, and I think that's because they couldn't get it out the door in time to launch with Yosemite, or it wasn't ready, or I mean, who knows what. And so, they already they already do things mid cycle. It's just that the cycle's really fast, and um, I don't know. The, the Mac is, you know, the Mac is stable. The Mac is is a mature platform, and in my mind, the the days for like really crazy OS ten updates are probably behind us. I mean, Yosemite's going to set the the tone for for years to come, and uh, El Cap is just not a very big step past that. Which it's fine. Like I, I'm perfectly okay with that. It's just important going into it. Like our lack of enth- our lack of enthusiasm is sort of born from like it's kind of a boring update i think like they do the yearly releases because i guess now because they have yearly releases on ios right so like as ios needs new features sometimes some of those features have to be mirrored on the mac so they're gonna have to put stuff out every year anyway so they might as well just say well everything comes out once a year it's it's features and it's it's shared technologies and so things like uh, continuity and handoff using an SURL session, that sort of stuff they is more and more of that shared. You know, when when Apple did their their sort of reorg and, and rethink about the way the things they build, it used to be that there'd be people in the OS ten division and the iOS division building on the same thing but not having a lot of communication and not having uh you know basically having the minimal viable uh teamwork kind of between those organizations and now it is much more sort of mixed and open and and put together and i think that 
helps OS 10 and iOS work better together, but I think that does basically ensure that we're going to see an annual release. It just means that each one is it's not a Snow Leopard release. Like El Capitan is not a Snow Leopard release. There are new features. There are actually quite a few uh, user-facing features. But, you know, the, the more they share, the more that these things are just going to be tied together naturally. And I think that's I think that's fine. I think you just have to understand that the trade-offs that come with that. There are some interesting developer technologies in El Capitan, I think. There's like a new compression algorithm that supposedly uh, doesn't have many advantages over the old compression stuff that they did, but it's faster. Um, there's, a, of course, Swift 2. There's a new Xcode. There's a, a lot of uh, some welcome metal changes for developers. Of spe- more, more specifically, this is for games and graphically intensive apps. And I, I haven't seen, probably because I don't have a Mac that you know supports the latest metal things. Uh, but there's a there's a potential for a lot of improved games coming to a stand with metal. And I've seen, of course, the the other. Technical change is the system integrity protection, uh, which you know this I wanted to ask to, to I want to ask people like Stephen uh, and Mike. You know, uh, you you two use OS ten quite a bit, and this SIP stuff is gonna change like the way that some apps can modify the system uh, because it doesn't give you it doesn't give uh, admin users uh, access to you know kernel modifications that kind of stuff. Um, do you think this will be a problem? In you know, for years to come, if you want to tinker with OS ten, if you want to change stuff, if you want to modify things, and I'm I'm considering like stuff like Candy Bar, which used to be an app to change the system icons, or even Dropbox. It started as a as a Finder hack to show uh, syncing icons in the in the Finder and to make a special Dropbox folder. Uh, do you think that this new security stuff in El Capitan is going to be a problem for future generation of kids who want to just mess around and create things by breaking the existing frameworks and, and features of the OS? I mean, I think to a degree, but I think that's one of those things where, you know, I, you look back at older versions of OS X where all that stuff was possible, you know, the, the era of the Haxi. We were doing some crazy stuff to our system that really did, you know, take advantage and even create security issues on the system. I think OS X will always be more flexible and more open than iOS in that way, but I don't I don't blame Apple that you know, they've got to solve these issues and that they need to ensure that their system is secure from you know things like you know code injection and all and all sorts of other stuff that can happen. Um, and SIP is interesting. You know, it's basically looking after the the welfare of the system itself. You can still play out in user land all you want. Um, you know, within sandboxing and stuff. So I think it's just one more step in that direction. I do think that it, that some types of apps will um, will go away. You know, just like apps uh, that can't exist under sandboxing have, have been, you know, removed from the store and now only exist on the outside. Uh, it does mean that certain types of things will have to change or, or be updated. Like I know Bartender 2, which comes out today, um, they... Uh, Bartender 2 is slightly revamped uh, so it can work within the new confines. And I think I think legitimate developers and legitimate applications will find ways around it. And I think that things that are not legitimate will continue to be more difficult to work on. And that's that's a fine trade-off with me. Yeah, I don't understand it enough in all honesty. Like, But as long as... this, Because I don't do anything I think that's really, really crazy to the system. 
um, mm -hmm. like stuff like bartender is as far as I go. And my kind of expectation would be the things that I use and the things that even that most nerds like me use will probably be, end up being okay. Um, and as long as that's the case, then good stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's not keeping me up at night. It's not my under, my very very little understanding is it's not as tough as sandboxing was. Yep. And well, it depends on what you're trying to do, I guess. Um, there's a like an issue of the principle, you know, of locking down some system modifications. It's more of a theoretical problem than maybe a practical one for for prosumers of some kind. You know, people like us, we. Uh, people like you actually you use OS 10 to as you know to a professional extent even if you don't like you're not a rocket science engineer you're not doing you know crazy stuff but you're still using OS 10 for work so you're maybe above the threshold of consumer and for people like you you want to install bartender you want to make some lightweight modifications so the, the the technology is you know, you can say, it's not a big deal for me, I understand the concern, but it doesn't affect me in any meaningful way. But for people who really like to mess around, to play around, to look at stuff, to change settings and other things that Apple doesn't want you to change, that's going to be not a theoretical problem, but a practical one. So it'll be interesting, like right now, I'm gonna, I ask you, I ask Steven, and you say, it's not a big deal for me. But I want to see in like a couple of years, when this becomes, you know, the common practice, you cannot access these types of system features unless you go through crazy hoops to disable them. Uh, I'm curious to see if, you know, we will ever get the same degree of customization on OS 10 that we used to have. Probably not. Probably there's going to be some new way to, to play around, hack things, break them. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely one to watch out for. All right, let's take our first break. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper. They are an online retailer of premium mattresses that let you get fantastic mattresses for a fraction of the price that you will find in stores. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and all of the showrooms and everything that's kind of in between and getting rid of all of that stuff that's made people pay high prices for years and taking the savings that they can give and pass them directly onto the consumer. A Casper mattress provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. Their mattresses are one of a kind. They've created their own hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. And these two technologies come together for better nights and brighter days. Casper mattresses have just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper understands that buying a mattress online can leave people wondering, kind of, how is this possible? Like, you're used to going to the showroom and you sit on the bed, right? That's how you know that the mattress is good. No, that is wrong. What Casper do is way better. Buying a mattress of Casper is completely risk-free. You go on, you select the mattress that you want, they will ship it to you for free, and you can try it out for 100 days. And within that time period, if you're not happy, you can return it to Casper and they will pick it up from you for free as well. It's completely risk-free to try out a Casper mattress. It really is that simple. Just sitting on a bed for a few minutes has no correlation to whether this is the right bed, right mattress for you. You need to put it on your bed, right? I have your nice little sheets and stuff and you sleep and you know if the mattress is right for you. That's how you should be testing them out. Casper understands the importance of truly trying out mattresses in reality because you're going to be spending like a third of your life on them. Casper mattresses are shipped to you in a box, opening them as an experience all of its own as their vacuum-packed mattress in an impossibly small box kind of breathes itself to life and, and is ready for you to sleep on. It's kind of kind of crazy to see. Usually, mattresses can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost 
like fantastic prices. They're between five hundred dollars for a twin mattress, seven fifty for a full sized, eight fifty for a queen, and nine hundred and fifty dollars for a king size. And all Casper mattresses are made in America. Listeners of this show can get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com/connected and using the code connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. See the website for details. Thank you so much to Casper for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Do we want to talk about our new phones? Yeah, I mean, I think what might be fun is because a couple of weeks ago uh, we spoke about and we looked at your post, Stephen, that you did um, about the kind of the things that you wanted in the 6 Plus. Uh, and I think it might be fun to look at that through that lens. Does that make sense? So, like, to see were we right? Did we get the things that we wanted? Yeah, so... Uh... We had talked about things like RAM. I think it was RAM, speakers, tactic motor, and touch ID. I think were the big four things. Yeah, I think so. That sounds about right. Um, and so I think we spoke last week. You and I both have the 6S Plus. We stayed in the Mike Was Right Club. I think Federico will do that once the phone is available to him. Is that correct, Federico? Yep. Yes. So uh, I, I think the biggest thing... Um, for for me at least is that the the RAM has been updated to two gigs and with the um with the improved processor speed the the six S plus at least in my experience is much faster than than the old the old plus you know the old plus really struggled at times it had you know it's got more pixels to drive than than the regular six and but basically with the same internals and at times the six plus could really feel bogged down. We, we've spoken a lot about that over the last year. We were just sort of like bottom out sometimes. And I've not had that with the 6S Plus. And I'm sure part of that is a new iOS install and there's lots of factors. But I really do think that this phone really finally has the horsepower it needs to drive the display. And uh, I mean, the RAM really is what, you f- what I feel the most often that I can go back into Safari and my tabs are still there. And that would never happen on the on the regular Plus. Um the multitasking is much smoother and much faster. Just all in all, it feels much more responsive and much more sort of ready to take on what I throw at it. And and that alone is, is worth the upgrade for me, at least. Every piece of the OS feels faster to me. Um, like, I mean, and I know this is the RAM and the, the A, it's A9, right? Yep. Yeah, the A9 chip, working in tandem and making it, it, it just an incredibly capable device which makes me very happy there are a couple of like parts of the ui that i would see slowdowns in uh on the six plus but i'm not seeing anything like that with the with the six s plus i never get the s in the right place in my mind i wasn't like i'm never sure if it's six s plus or six plus s it just confuses me so one thing that we didn't mention actually but it was in your piece was i mean a dream that you had Stephen, which was to fix the camera lens issue like the little bump but they didn't do that still there yep i mean it's not an issue to me no and and the new camera is uh, noticeably better i mean that they, they bumped the the resolution and uh have done some some additional things and, and to my eye at least it is is drastically better so i you know if it was keep the old camera and get rid of the bump or get a new camera and keep the bump then i'd prefer a new camera so i'm happy with that um so the speakers, I haven't seen any marked improvement on those. Like I haven't noticed it being any louder of you. Uh, no, if if anything, mine seems a touch softer than the old one. Oh no! So uh, maybe maybe <laughs> no. next maybe next year. 
uh, it's, I mean, at some point, right, they got to do something with, with the beat stuff. I mean, I, I've used Android phones with, you know, it, it is gimmicky, but they can really get the volume in there. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the 7 will, will have something. I mean, they're doing that on the iPad Pro, right? Yeah. They made a big deal of the speakers, and hopefully well, that happens with the other devices too. The iPad Pro thing, like, it just makes everything else seem so crazy. Like, there's there's four speakers on it. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. we get yeah. one one quiet speaker, not quiet, but like one good, decent speaker on everything else. But that one gets four of them. Is it like they had a speaker shortage in Cupertino because they, they put them all on the iPad Pro? Like, there's no more speakers to go around because <laughs> it's four. And it's not just four speakers, but when you rotate the device, the audio like reflows correctly depending yep. on the device's orientation. That's crazy. And uh, according to people who tried it, it really does work like they they say so. So. You know, I'm 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 excited about the speaker part of the iPad Pro, honestly. I bet that thing gets super loud. Like I bet you can crank that thing up. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. You know, crank especially it all with up. a larger screen. Imagine how big the little speaker UI could be. It could be like you know, twenty little pips there or something. <laughs> yeah, I want my neighbors to complain because of my <laughs> iPad Pro. <laughs> that's my goal. <laughs> it's gonna be my review. <laughs> all right, Touch ID. It's kind of fast to a fault, right? Like, it's just, it's, like, mental. I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm sure, like, everyone else had the habit of sort of bumping my home button to look at the lock screen to see my notifications. And when you, I mean, you just have to graze the thing now, and it and it unlocks. It's, it is really, really fast, and that's nice. You know, you don't get... It used to be like, you know, I pick up my phone and I've got to rest my thumb there for a second. And and now that seems so archaic, but I need to relearn the how do I wake up my phone to look at the screen workflow because bumming the home button unlocks the phone. And so I've tried to get used to hitting the power button. Uh, I also, I one of the fingers I, I use, so my touch idea I have set up with both thumbs and both index fingers. So mm-hmm. if I, my hands are full or the phone's sitting down, I can unlock it anywhere. And I've taken my index fingers off uh, Touch ID now. I just have my thumbs. And so if someone removes my thumbs, I can't get in my phone anymore. But uh, that has helped too a little bit. I just know to use my index finger if I just want to look at the screen. But then you have to remember that too. It's nice, but the trade-off is a little weird. Yeah. It's great that it is fast. But like I think when I wanted, when I mentioned how much, I, like I wanted it to be instant, which it basically is now, uh, I didn't think about the idea that like now I would never see the home screen again. Because, I mean, and I know, you know, you can unlock it with the side button, but that's just not, you know, that's like seven years, seven, eight, however many years it's been of brain training that would have to go away. You know? Yep. Totally agree. Federico. Yes. When can you get one? <laughs> that's uh, I don't know what's the proper answer to that. When it launches in Italy, that's my, what I'm going to say. Uh, on October 9th, um, my girlfriend and I are going to buy a, an iPhone 6S for her and a 6S Plus for me. Uh, we're both going to go with the 64 gigs mm-hmm. model, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get the top of the line model because I don't really need all the storage. Yeah, um, so it's uh, less than two weeks at this point. And if anything, if everything goes correctly and they follow the same pattern as last year, uh, they're going to have... So the iPhone launches on Friday. And in theory, on Wednesday, they should be they should put up the reservation page online. So I should be able to reserve my iPhone, go to the mall, which is 
five minutes away from me and they're gonna have a separate line for people who, who uh, reserve the, the iPhone online and last year it took me about an hour to I was like in and out and I they have a separate line it was really fast you go in you show your ID you pay for the phone and you you go away basically mm -hmm. um, that's my plan uh, a good old-fashioned customer going to the Apple store to buy an iPhone yeah, that's what I did this time, and it was a it was a good experience. The reservation in store was was good, and I yeah. was kind of in and out in fifteen minutes. Like yeah. I was really happy with that. Yeah, it it takes a while in Italy because people always argue in line. You know, <laughs> hey, like, <laughs> what are they arguing so, about? That's the perfect Italian stereotype of people trying to catch <laughs> you in line. People like arguing. I remember last year, uh, there was a separate line. So I went in at uh, like 3 p.m. Mm -hmm. And there were still people there from, from the morning in, in, the separate, in the separate line. Sure. And there was some person having a nervous breakdown uh, because they were waiting too much. And they didn't understand the concept of you came here this morning without a reservation. These other people made the reservation online. Uh -huh. This man didn't quite understand that, the, you know, this type of organization he was just freaking out and and they had to call security on this guy you know italians that's what they do they yell and they they are agitated and they they make people waste time yeah <laughs> so don't get in a fight at the app store Be careful. no 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 no, no. I'm, I'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a chill you know type of person yeah, yeah. <laughs> iphones and chill um <laughs> I have to say that uh, my favorite thing so far about the iPhone is not the iPhone itself, I think, but the, the hashtag Mike was right has been on fire the past few days. It has been a lot of fun to to see people uh, tweeting their six pluses with the hashtag mm -hmm. and their new purchases. What's been even greater is uh, we did t-shirts for Cortex and for a lot of people, they arrived on the same day that their iPhones did. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's all Mike all the time in some people's post boxes at the moment. So that's been a lot of fun for me. I mean, it's uh, it's been quite a year in the land of Mike. You, it, know? you know what? It has. The year of Mike has provided many fruits. Mu uh, much, much I... better than the year of Luigi. Yeah, you we've know? got like another six months on Mike was right now, right? Because yeah. it's the 18-month rule by the year of Luigi. Obviously, we were about a year... I, mean, I think it's a little bit longer, right? Because I bought mine, said how great it was, and then a couple of months later, you guys both agreed with me. And that was when the, yeah. the hashtag began. So. You got to come up with more opinionated thoughts that All people right. are going to argue against initially, but eventually they're going to agree with you. So you have six months to continue using this hashtag before we seed the, 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 the righteous you know, uh, nice. part to, to someone else on, on, the, on the relay team. Okay. So I, I, by the end of this episode, I, I will have tried to come up with something. Okay. Try to be opinionated, Mike. That's what you okay. got to do as a pundit on, on, on the internet. I have a very strong opinion right now. About what? About Hover. Okay. Because they are the best way to buy and manage domain names. Hover has been my place of choice for many years. And as you know, right now, I am very opinionated, right? And my, my opinion counts. And my opinion is you should be going to Hover to buy your domains. Because when you have an idea for a project, giving it a name can be really difficult. 
you can kind of sit and brainstorm for days and days and days about the new name that you want to give to your website, your project, your podcast, whatever it may be. And one of the steps that you have to take is to get the domain name. And one of the steps is, is it available? Because if it's available, great. If it's not, you may have to go back to the drawing board. Hover provides simple, fast and hassle-free tools to allow you to search for and buy the domain names. You're not faced with thousands of screens. You don't see tons of add-ons with increasingly high prices. They let you get in, select what you need, buy it, and get out. And they also have great tools to allow you to manage that domain afterwards as well. They have all of the TODs that you'd want, expect, and need, like .com, .co, .me, .net, .co.uk. And they also have ones that you maybe wouldn't need so much, but you can get them if you want them, like .plumbing, .fish, .academy, .limo diamond etc etc um, they also have great prices on them as well for example their .com domains start at just $12.99 and where available every single domain that Hover sells will come with Whois Privacy for free so if the TOD supports Whois Privacy Hover will just give it to you and they enable it Right, and you have to go in and say I don't want it, which is I think is definitely the right way to go with privacy stuff like this. This basically means that people can't search your information and find out stuff about you, like your home address, because you can do that with Whois, and a lot of other domain registrars will make you pay for that privilege, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I want to mention Hover Connect, which is a new feature that Hover have. So once you've bought your domain. And you want to enable it with the website or the service that you want to connect it to, like, say, for example, something like Squarespace or Tumblr or Shopify. Usually you have to go in and copy and paste a bunch of numbers, confusing numbers, into different fields. Well, Hover Connect is this new feature where you just go into your uh, domain admin panel, you say which service you want to connect it to, and Hover will automatically amend all of the DNS records for you. Like, they just take care of it. It's just fantastic. And this is on top of Hover's great other stuff that they have. Their customer support is next to none. They have no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support. They have great email support. They have uh, their valet service where they'll transfer domains for you. They have great guides and information on their website and just so much more so go to hover.com right now to try them out and use the code show notes at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for this show and all of Relay FM. that is show notes or one word and of course that code will also be in the show notes thank you so much to hover for sponsoring this week's episode let's talk a little bit more about 3d touch okay so Stephen, how do you feel about it like what do you think about it uh so far i really like it i mean I think there's kind of three things that 3D Touch actually is. There's the actual, I'm pressing down and the phone, you know, provides haptic feedback. There's the uh, the home screen shortcut deal where I can 3D Touch on a icon and get quick actions. So, uh, for instance, the camera, Apple's built-in camera has like take selfie, take video, I think there's a couple others. And then there's peek and pop with an app. So I can be looking at a grid of images in Instagram, for instance, and uh 3D touch a thumbnail and it sort of pop up, you know, bigger. So, I, so if I'm going through someone's profile when I look at a picture, uh, I can do that really easily without having to change screens. I think all three of them together really make a nice cohesive thing. I mean, yes, it's early days, so a lot of apps that I use don't have it yet. Although I will say the home screen shortcuts seem to be coming out pretty rapidly. I think that's relatively easy to implement. But it's 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 nice. It does make you know, it sort of adds this layer to to the iPhone that makes it faster to get around. And like the the go back button that that appears, you don't have to use it. And if you so, if you never notice it's there, if you turn it off, the iPhone still works the way the iPhone always has. But it's sort of this like higher plane 
of use that does make it faster. And and I've already come to I, I find myself doing it without thinking about it, even just after you know a couple of days. And I I do like that it it does you know speed things up in, in areas. There's less tapping and waiting for screens and you know to slide in and out and all that junk where you can just quickly look at it and then deal with it if you want to. Or or come back to it later. I, I like the cohesiveness that it that it provides the the OS. It feels less like a uh, a series of siloed apps, but sort of like, hey, I'm in messages. I can just like pop into Safari for a second and then pop out of it. I, I like that sort of breaking down of those walls. What apps are you using uh, that you like the implementation in? Uh, well, I, I use a lot of I use a lot of the built-in apps. I use the built-in mail client, for instance, and I really like it there. Uh, I like it a lot in messages. If someone sends me a link, I can just kind of preview the link and then decide if it's something that I need to deal with or, just, oh, I, I sent you this funny GIF, you know, I can just view it and then and then come out of it. I, I do like it in things uh, on the home screen and third-party apps. Like uh, Evernote has one to, to create a new note, uh, which I've used a couple of times already. And, you know, I think that's really where my usage will grow as, as more... As more developers use it, but in the built-in stuff right now, it's it's really quite nice. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more interested to see how developers take this new interaction method and create different things. Like peek and pop is fine, but it's extremely limited, right? It's just previews. Um, and Dropbox have a really great implementation of it, right? As you would hope that they would, right? They makes perfect sense. Uh, I like Workflow. So, like, inside the Workflow app, you can easily, like, preview the Workflow uh, inside of it. Like, so you can kind of see what the steps are before you uh, produce it, which I quite like. But I'm interested to see, like, what are the things that people come up with? Like, what happens there? Um, that's what I'm interested in seeing. Like, you know, not peek and pop, but stuff using 3D Touch that developers can take advantage of. And I'm not really, I mean, me and Federico have spoken about this, like, I'm not really interested in games that have it, because it, it's fine, but I don't really know, a lot of game makers especially are not really going to be able to do a lot of interesting stuff with it for a long time, because it will make games too difficult to work, right? If you're putting in 3D touch and then some devices can't use it, but I feel like app developers, like for productivity apps and stuff like that, would be able to take more advantage of it as they may have a wider uh, usage base on the new Ooh. devices. So I'm interested to see, like, what can uh, OmniFocus do with it that's interesting? What can, like, Tapbots do with it and Tweetbot that's interesting? That kind of stuff. That's what I'm more excited about. Uh, but I do, mm-hmm. uh, the more I, the more time I've had to think about 3D Touch, having used it a little bit, I, I really am bought into the hype that this is a big, big step forward for iOS because it is something that didn't exist before, which can provide a new interaction method. And that hasn't come around in, in any meaningful way in quite some time. Yeah, I feel like right now, most developers are just trying to support all these shortcuts on the home screen and pick and pop in in their yeah. apps. And that's like, that's like the same way they added support for widgets or a watch app when they launched. Or iOS 7 design, right? Like you just, exactly. you just do it as Apple's said to do it and then exactly. do think about it again later. And instead, I'm I'm thinking, if this is really like the new touch, uh, we're we're gonna see like different input mechanisms in apps, like entirely different interactions. The problem with that is that 
it's going to take a few years because it's only exclusive to the 6S. So right now it makes sense for developers to only support like the basic system stuff. Uh, but maybe two to three years from now, when a developer can come up with an app that's entirely based on 3D touch that wouldn't exist otherwise. Imagine the first iPhone apps or the first iPad apps that were mostly adaptations of what came before. And then they started to kind of leverage the exclusive features of the iPhone, like the gyroscope or, you know, the multi-touch gestures on the iPad. And with 3D, with 3D touch, it has the potential to have the same effect on apps. Right now, it's the basic stuff. It's the shortcuts and the pick and pop. But in a few years, you know, down the road, it can be there can be apps and games that only make sense as 3D touch software. And that's exciting, I think. And I also, I'm also considering like when Siri first launched, we said, oh, this is going to be the fourth interface of iOS. This is going to be the, you know, the new layer of interaction between users and apps. And that's, you know, that hasn't quite been the case yet. Mostly because developers don't have access to Siri. With 3D Touch, we're saying the same thing all over again. It's the new input layer, it's the new interface, but this time Apple is giving developers the tools right away. And that's why I'm more excited about 3D Touch than I was about Siri when it came out. There are two different things, but when it comes to developer support, this is different, you know? And I want to see, like, maybe with the iPhone 7S or the iPhone 8, we're going to have apps that are exclusive to the to 3D Touch. That's going to be interesting, I think. Exclusive in what way? Like, they can only be used on a 3D Touch display. I mean, how will they... Can, can developers do that? Yeah, I mean, in, in the future when, you know, maybe the, the, they can make an app that only runs on the iPhone 6S and above, they can create apps and games that, you know, sure. they only make sense as 3D Touch software. That's what I'm, what I'm imagining. So there's something that I've been thinking about 3D Touch, um, which is the home screen interactions, right? So the shortcuts, which I mean, I think, again, will be more useful over time. I think a lot of the apps that I currently am using them with, it's like, this is useful, but I don't know if I need this right like i don't know if this is something that i really really need but like for example it's really useful in messages because i can i don't really know how apple is picking what three people show up in messages it doesn't really seem to be by any metric that makes sense but more often than not it tends to be the person that i want is in there um and then you've got stuff like you know launch center pro has some actions but i like their notification widget more um, but, you know, there could be some really good stuff come here in the future, right? The camera stuff is really good, for example. But, you know, not all of my apps on my home screen support this right now. Maybe not all of them should, but but we'll see. But this this idea of the, the an addition to the home screen that wasn't there before, um, it, it signals to me anyway that I believe that 3D Touch is a sign that Apple have no intention of redesigning the home screen for a while. Because they're they're enhancing the home screen in a new way that hasn't been done before, which means, personally, I don't expect that iOS 10 will have any meaningful redesign to the way the home screen works. There's, there's your opinion, Federico. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Mike. And uh, because, in in a way, I mean, if it's still early days, but you know, people who look at the iOS home screen and are unhappy with it, you know, the, one of the the first complaints that comes is is widgets, which I don't disagree with. Um, but really, you could create, I mean, theoretically, widget-like functionality behind 3D Touch. You know, Definitely. you already have apps that 
show a badge uh, for the temperature or for the date. And that's there's already workarounds, and I, I just wonder if 3D Touch on the home screen it's flexible enough for that sort of information to kind of be quickly hidden away. Um, I mean, there's, there's other problems with Springboard we could get into, but I think that if the idea is I want more information, then if you can display that behind a 3D Touch menu, that that's doesn't solve the problem perfectly, but it gets us further down the road than where we are today. Yeah, like I can imagine something UI-wise that is reminiscent of a watch app or an extension that could appear, um, or, or even a widget that could appear when you 3D touch, right? I could imagine something like that, uh, but I can't imagine, you know, widgets on the home screen or whatever Yeah, because of this. What do you think, Federico? I saw, I saw a teaser of... Um of copy feed it's a clipboard manager for for the iphone and ipad and they showed um a 3d touch shortcut on the home screen and the first option was a way to quickly recopy the the last item from the app and it showed a preview of the text so i guess it's possible for developers to kind of hack around the, the 3d touch shortcut menu to show data instead of just jumping points and that's exciting because it kind of opens up a whole layer of, instead of like looking at a widget or opening an app, even if it's faster, I can just peek at the contents from the home screen. It's kind of it's kind of like Android in this sense, only that you gotta tap and you know press on, on an icon to view that kind of information. And I'm curious whether you know this is an accepted policy, you know, within Apple if they're allowed to do that. But I definitely saw a screenshot of a working implementation, and that's you know that's the oh, type man. of stuff I. I don't have to go to the to the notification center anymore. I can just press view the last item that I copied and recopy it again. And I never have to touch. I never have to open the app. I never have to open the widget or do any kind of navigation. I can just peek and take action instead of you know just uh, you know jumping around. Even if it's a faster process, I can just remain on the home screen, and that's that's exciting. I think. Yeah, I would like that. I mean, it makes sense because um, it seems like, I mean, again, someone can correct us on this later, but it feels like that there is an element of the, the apps being able to display something that's dynamic because, you know, like workflow and stuff like that, right, it's it's pulling in data from inside the app and showing it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that regard, you think it would, you know, it would maybe make sense. I don't know. Like that, they're showing stuff from inside the app, so maybe in theory that could be a little bit more um, fluid of what can be in there. I've seen the the image, the the tweet that you were talking about, Federico, and I'll put it in the show notes. But it says like recopied last item and shows a preview. Right, that's yep. really cool. That is really yep. really cool. I hope that that comes through because again, there you go. This is exactly the type of stuff that we were just talking about, right? Like developers using this technology to create interesting things. Like we always say this, right? And it is it's becoming a bit of a uh, of a meme, I think, where pe- but people mean it seriously. But it's, it's being used in that way where, like, you know, Apple creates something, and we all go, "There are going to be apps that are going to be made from this that we never even knew were possible or were never possible before." Like that is a thing that is said a lot, far too often, I think, these days. But hey, that could be the case here as well. Uh, there was something I forgot to mention about the six plus S plus that I didn't mention before, but I will now because I just got a phone call. Uh, is how quiet the vibrant motor is, the Taptech engine. Um, like if I would have gotten that phone call before, literally everybody would have known about it. Um, 
<laughs> but the taptic motor is very, very quiet. So much so that, that I am now very happy that I don't have to keep my phone on Do Not Disturb uh, anymore when it's unlocked. Because I was even doing that because I would be getting messages when I want, when I'm using my phone and it was so loud that it would disturb people. But now I don't need to do that anymore. So the tactic engine was much needed in the Success Plus, and I'm really really happy that they implemented it. Yeah, it feels it feels much more refined than the old, uh, the old the old motor. And they they brought it down. So if you if you pull the screen off the phone, the tactic engine is towards the bottom of the device now and. That that is a couple of things. It makes the three D touch feel a little more connected to the screen, I think, um, and it helps with that balance of the thing vibrating. It before it uh, when it vibrate, you could really tell it was rocking on the camera lens. I think that's why one reason it was so loud, especially on a desk. And this thing just seems so much more precise and uh, just just refined again. That it that's a nice improvement. And it's one of those one of those things that like I don't know how many people would actually ever notice that, but for those who do. It's a it's a detail worth worth appreciating. I think it also makes sense to bring it lower down the device because that's where your hand goes. So if they're going to be using this haptic engine to provide feedback, like for for three D touch, it makes sense to put it where your hand is most likely to be gripped. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right? I think that's that's very smart. Very smart. All right. Uh, we didn't actually talk about WatchOS two last week, um, nope. and I think we all want to. So why don't we do that um, just after we thank Squarespace? Sound good? Yeah. Uh, Squarespace. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com. You want to use the offer code WORLD at checkout. That's going to get you 10% off. And Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, Squarespace should be the place that you check out because they give you all of the tools that you need to build a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding experience required. All of their tools are really intuitive and easy to use, and you can use them to make your website look and feel exactly the way that you want. Squarespace has stunning templates that are really great to look at. They feature responsive web design right out of the box. They look great on all sizes of device. They have You can really get in and tinker with them as well if you want to, like using their the WYSIWYG engine. You can say, like, I want this font and this color and this spacing and all that stuff. And you can also, using their dev platform, uh, kind of get in under the hood and make some more changes to the code if you want to, but you definitely don't need to do that to get your Squarespace site looking the way that you want it to. Squarespace, uh, they use they power all of their sites with state-of-the-art technology. They ensure security and stability, and they are trusted by millions of people around the world because of this. And they have tons of other great features, like their rock-solid fast hosting, their 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have their commerce platform, which allows anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site. We use that at Relay FM to sell uh, t-shirts and stickers as well, so we do that, and we have our Squarespace commerce site set up so we can do that. The same with our blog at Relay FM as well, because they going to do this better than we ever could. So why would we spend the time trying to build something like that when we can use Squarespace for it instead? If you sign up for a year, you'll also get yourself a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required and start building your own website by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get yourself 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting us today. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So, watch OS 2. Um, 
I mean, you know, we probably don't need to go through stuff like how the update process was. It was really slow. Uh, the yes. fact that I had to delete everything from my watch uh, a couple of days ago to set up with my new phone is ridiculous. Um, but let's talk about the, the, the watch OS 2 itself. And so, Stephen, what, what things in OS 2 are you actually excited about? What are you enjoying? It's one of those things kind of like 3D Touch. I think that the the possibilities are not here quite today. I mean, I've... I've tried a couple third-party complications. I haven't really been super impressed with any of them. Uh, I've tried a couple apps that have been updated, um, like the OmniFocus app. I mean, they are faster. They still, though, if they rely on a phone for for syncing or something, that is still slow. And so the apps themselves are faster, but sometimes the data lag is still there. It's not... I don't think WatchOS 2 is like the magic bullet I was hoping for for the iPhone. In some ways, I think it's a regression, but... I don't know. It just hasn't made a huge impact day to day for me yet. It's been nicer for me. Um, apps are faster. They're still not as, you know, as quick as the iPhone. They're still talking to the iPhone in in, in a lot of ways, and uh, there's an improved uh, connectivity uh, framework uh, between WatchOS apps, the WatchKit extension, and the iOS app on the phone. Uh, but they're they're faster for me, and I'm. I'm looking at examples like PCalc, uh, which has a native WatchOS 2 app now. Um, I, I was able to finally use PCalc as a, as a risk calculator when we go grocery shopping. Me and my girlfriend, we like to keep a total, uh, a running, you know, a, a tab of the total that we're going to spend um, because of, of the, the points that we can accumulate with our with our card at the, at the, at the, at the supermarket where we go to. And... Using PCalc while shopping, it's it's been great with WatchOS 2 because the app is faster. Yep. Um, it, it gives me haptic feedback whenever I tap buttons, and so I know that that I'm doing you know stuff correctly on the screen, and I don't have to walk around the supermarket with a phone in my hand anymore, which gives me the freedom to you know grab stuff from the shelf and you know uh, because the app it's on my it's on my watch, and also Waterminder, it's a it's a native WatchOS 2 app that reminds me to drink more water during the day. It's also faster and and I can launch it from a complication on the on the watch face. Uh, it's apps in general; they're faster for me. And David Smith's uh, excellent uh, Sleep Plus Plus. It's it's the faster app that I have on my watch. Uh, I'm I've been using the this new app whenever I go to sleep each night. Um, I follow David's instructions to set it up with airplane mode, uh, so I can keep my watch when I sleep. And in general, I feel like. They're not the watchOS 2 is not the real native OS that we're kind of looking forward to, but that's obviously coming down the road in the future of the watch. And I'm spending too much time. That's a good problem to have, I guess. I'm spending too much time customizing my watch face and my complications. And I feel like the early days of getting a new iPhone where I'm moving icons around, I still don't know what I really need. I'm playing around with a, with a lot of apps. And it's fun, you know, if you like to spend time setting up your gadgets the way that you like them to. Uh, it's, it's It's been a fun process for me. Um, I still feel like the watch can be too complex in in a lot of ways. And I feel like the fact that a lot of Apple apps don't have a watch version yet is completely absurd. My girlfriend, she's a normal human being, you know, she's not a tech person. Um, and I don't mean that in, a, in any disrespectful way disrespectful way. In fact, she's the normal one and I'm the, the, the obsessed one. Um, <laughs> 
but she complains all the time that there's no native reminders app on the watch and she's right it doesn't make any sense that you can you know have a list on on the iphone and have the same list on the watch as well because that would be super convenient when other apps are doing it other apps are doing it exactly other apps there's you know there's going to be reminders clients but still, she has a point. There should be a native, you know, reminders app yeah. on the watch. And maybe but that's what I mean. Like, if, if if other people can do it, Apple should be doing it. And I don't understand why they, they went to, you know, they made other apps that I could argue are not as useful as maybe reminders could be. So it's kind of weird to, you know, kind of weird mix of Apple apps on the watch. Um, so watch us to... My opinion is it's a nice step forward, but I'm waiting for WatchOS 3. Uh, you know, it still feels limited in a lot of ways. It's better, but kind of halfway there, maybe. Yeah, I I like um, I like some of that stuff too. Like I, I, I'm not actually using a ton of apps on my watch anyway, and I'm using even less that are WatchOS 2 um, enabled, but PCalc is one of them. Um, the OmniFocus one is is way better as well, uh, and it's nice to be able to 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 go through the um, OmniFocus watch app if I need to, and everything loads quickly. So that's really great. So I mean, I'm enjoying that. But for me, some of the stuff that I like, uh, I like that there are more color options for customizing the watch faces. Um, they have some that match the new bands, and they also have new uh, names attached to them now too, which is really good. Because when I I have uh, I have six Apple uh, Watch sport bands at the moment, uh, and I like to change the colors um, to match the sport band. Uh, I'm happy that one click on the crown, if you're not zoomed out, that is takes you back to the watch face. You don't need to click twice now on the crown. Um, and also the Wi-Fi mode. I don't know if you guys have had any experience using this yet. No, not really. Did you know what this does? Because I'd forgotten about it. We talked about it on virtual, I think. Mike. Yeah. So this is the idea that if uh, if your phone isn't near you or your phone isn't connected to something, your watch can connect to any Wi-Fi network that your phone knows. Um, mm-hmm. So I've tested it out and it's useful. And this was something that Adina was really interested in. And she sent me a text message today from her watch while she was in the cafeteria, which is on... Uh, the opposite side of the street to her building where her phone was charging, and she was very happy about that. She liked that she could use her watch to do things when her phone wasn't around. Like It's just basic stuff, but she was able to see messages from me. She could send messages to me. We could still exchange digital touch stuff, which we still do, and I like now that you can change the colors of the drawings, so that adds a a layer of artistry artistry to my uh, digital touch drawings that I didn't have before. So the Wi-Fi mode is something that, that I think is really, really cool. So I, I like that that is there, for sure. I, I told my girlfriend to about the, the new multicolor option on the watch face, and she really likes it, but she thinks there should be a way to... Uh, basically, she want to be able to customize each complication, even like the time and the date, to a different color, because she likes the idea of the multicolor option, but she would she wants to be able to customize each each option individually and it makes sense but i yeah. told her that's the kind of you know deeper customization that apple doesn't like to do in the first versions of an os but that's got to be coming in the future i think should we talk about colors on the watch faces <laughs> i think i think we should let me give you my opinion first um because i really it's really something that has been driving me crazy 
what's the problem with having colors on a watch face? It's fun. It's, you know, each color represents a different icon and it gives you like a better legibility. And I don't understand people who are freaking out about colors on their watch faces. My problem. Okay, so let me tell you why I think it's 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 okay, this is this is going to sound way too extreme. I think it is fundamentally and philosophically wrong. <laughs> wow. My god, Mike, it's a watch, not a not the constitution. Ah, do you know what it's do you know it's not a watch though, Federico. It is the most personal device I have ever owned. Uh-huh. Mhm. If something is the most personal device that I've ever owned, don't reach in and change it. So I was I very much liked and and was very happy with the utility face, and then I turn it on after the watch OS two and my activity rings are colored and I'm like okay I can see the utility in that I tried it for a couple of days and was like no I don't like this I want to change it back you can't but you can change it on some other watch faces but not the utility one so it's like why have you changed something like this I had the watch set up how I wanted to. And now I can't have it like that, so you have changed it. So I, I now use a different watch face. I now use the simple face, which I don't like as much um, because I I don't want one of the icons to be colored like that on my... Because all of the other complications I was using didn't have color on them. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Like on modular, you can choose to turn the multicolor option on. But on... Uh, what one was it? I always forget the name. On utility... You can't, and it, so it doesn't make sense to me why you would make that option, and also why you would change it and then make it the default. Like that's what I don't like, and that's why I say like that. I think it is wrong from a fundamental perspective because it goes against Apple's marketing message for the watch. Well, what's yeah. your problem with colors? It's it's only because it's mismatched. So I, I the colors are there, and I didn't have color on any of my other complications. And I didn't. I don't want it to be coloured like that. I like. I prefer it monochrome when I look at it. I think it looks nicer to have it monochrome because when I when the colours are there, it draws my attention away, which isn't exactly what I want at all times. I maybe want to look at a specific part of the watch. So I just don't want it that way. So considering like how customizable this device is, why make a binary change to an option and not allow me to customise it when I can customise it on other watch faces? That is my problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. I know that I'm being a bit crazy about it, but no, I, no, it I really do. It boring because colors are fun, you know? They are, but it's not what I want, though. Like, I yeah. like, because I like the color of the what, of the, the, the second hand. That is the color that I want because I match that color to the watch band that I have. That's what I like to do with my watch. And I like that to be the only color because I think that that adds the personality that I want. And and to your point, Mike, the the fact that you can't change it back. I mean, it's fine to add options, but don't don't take options away. My my problem with it, I mean, is the matching, but also that out of the corner of my eye, it looks if you're just glancing down, uh, it looks like there's a notification coming in because it's at the top, you know, or at least where I keep mine on the utility faces at the top, and it it's a it's a a bit of color that I'm not used to, and, and you know, previously you just had the second hand, and then you had the red notification uh, alert little dot guy. And, and now that is competing with it in a way that is distracting to me at least. And so I was already back and forth between simple and utility, but I've rooted myself in the simple camp now uh, really because I can't keep those activity rings from being colored. Again, it's fine. I, I, think it's, I think it looks nice. It's just not for me. And so why change it and take away my ability to have it the way that, that it used to be? I agree that it looks nice, but also 
it's not what I want. So. There should be more more color in your life, guys. <laughs> I have six watch bands of different colors. That's enough color for me. Uh, there's never enough color for you, Mike. I want to I want to give you guys a life hack. All right. Oh, okay. Are you ready for a life hack? Because I don't want to talk about color on the on the, the things anymore. So I'm going to give you okay. a life hack instead. Mm. Um, with time travel, I've yeah. set up a modular watch face as a uh, time zone checker thing. What do you call that? Like a what do you call that? A time zone app? Time shifting app. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I get what you're trying to do, Mike. So I've set up three complications: New York, Memphis, and San Francisco. And oh, I've so now I can use time travel to check the diff- time in different time zones and compare them to mine. I mean, oh in, in God, theory, you genius. could use like five of them on here or something, but I only really need three. Um, so there you go. That, that's my life hack for you. That is genius, Mike. I'm doing this right now. And you can have your calendar in the middle, right? Yeah. So then also not only when you're checking to see about the time, you can also see if you're aware of an appointment at that time when you're trying to book a meeting in. That's a very nice Mike life hack. Um, there you go. W- one small teachy tip if you use the workflow complication, time travel uh, lets you uh, switch across multiple workflows. So you spin the digital crown and with time travel, you cycle through workflows that you have enabled as a complication. That is a genius piece of software yeah, development by yeah. them, by the way. Because on the face of it, it seems like this is weird. Like you've, you're showing me a random one and then it's like, yeah. oh, now I get it. <laughs> it's yeah, very clever. Yeah. I could make the case for having to, you know, I want to have multiple complications from workflow at the same time. I don't know if it's a limitation from watchOS 2 or if it's just a decision of the developers, but still, it's a nice workaround right now. You can just spin the digital crown and you move between the different workflows in the same complication. It's it's nice. It makes for a nice demo. It does indeed. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very very clever, very clever. Uh, I like the carrot weather complication as well. When yeah. We're talking about complications. It's the best. It's the best weather one that I've found because even on the the little small complication, it has the the temperature and the the like a little icon of the weather, right? So it showed me a little little cloud or something. Very. Oh, cool. by the way, let me let me have some quick follow up because I Please. saw some people on Twitter and the koala uh, kind of poking fun at me because I uh, I'm oh, famously yeah. <laughs> uh, against the idea of checking weather apps when you can just look out at the window. First of all, I always try to understand why other people are into something that I don't understand. So that's why I try new stuff all the time, because I try not to be too stuck on my own ideas. Uh, I like to experiment. I'm always curious. And uh, the second one is, I need to test watchOS 2 complications. So, of course, I'm trying out what people believe and what I believe are one of the best complications around yet, which is the Carrot Weather app. Um, I don't need to look at the at the weather all the time. I'm looking outside of my window right now. And it's, it's quite nice here today, by the way. Um, I just want to try new stuff because I don't want to be one of those old people saying, yeah, this doesn't work for me, so I'm never going to check it out. That's now how you know how I'm built. I'm built for experimentation, and that's what I like to do. And that's why we love you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, have you guys used the nightstand mode very much? No, mm, not really, because now that I use David's app, I don't need nightstand mode. Oh, there you are, smart. Uh, I don't use it because uh, I don't have a stand, and and I and I want to wait 
um, until the stands that come out that have got like the made for Apple Watch program, whatever. You know, they, the nine to five report on this a while ago that Apple are allowing people to create stands with integrated charges into them now. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm waiting for those, and then I'm going to get a stand, and then I'll, maybe we'll use the nice stand mode. Yeah, I haven't I haven't used David's app yet. I I, I need to get around to that. Uh, I have been using nightstand mode though. It's it's nice. the The alarm sound is is quite nice, and it's nice that the the watch's screen will go off until you like bump it. So you can kind of like mm-hmm. I can like bump my nightstand, and the screen comes on, and it's it's like a, a dark green, so it's not real hard on your eyes if you if you turn over in the middle of the night and want to check the time. It's it's a nice addition, and I think it's something that I think most people are going to still charge their watches at night. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. not going to move to the twenty four seven thing, but it's uh it's a nice little touch that you know the thing's already there charging on my nightstand. Why not make it useful when it does that? I probably should point out that I my uh, I know you can you don't need a stand to do this, uh, but my little charging puck is I stuck it to my desk so it doesn't like flail around all the time. So that's why it's just stuck to my desk. Like my not my desk, my bedside table. So that's why I can't just lay it on the side because it won't work. So there you go. But I mean, this is so WatchOS two is a good jump. Uh, I think it just signals that there's still more to come, uh, and and a lot of the stuff that they've added is fine. So it's great. I mean, you know, I what do you guys use your watch for, Federico? What do you actually use your watch for on a daily basis? That's a great question, Mike. Um, <laughs> I'm still trying to understand the watch, you know. Um, I would say I love my watch for notifications. Mm-hmm. That sounds so stupid, but just being able to pick out an email and archive it right away, it's a major addition uh, to my to my daily habits. I love my watch for looking at phone calls and hanging up on people. I'm sorry, but I don't like getting phone calls. And I love the ability to understand quickly who's calling me. I also love my watch for cooking pasta uh, because I need to set a timer. And I'm, and I, and it's so simple to set up a timer complication. And I like, you know, Italians, real Italians don't overcook their pasta. And so whatever's on the box... Al dente, right? Yes. Yeah. And me and my girlfriend like... Actually, a minute before al dente, we do usually what's on the... What do you call that? Uh, molto al dente, just like al dente very much. Um, <laughs> me, and my, yeah, me and my girlfriend, we... <laughs> I'm going to start cooking my pasta al dente very much. That's, that is my new way of doing it. Whatever's on the box for cooking time, we said we said two minutes ahead. So with the watch, uh, with the phone, I used to calculate the time in my mind and uh, on occasion, like I forgot and it was a mess and we used to fight over pasta. So you don't want to do that. Uh, With the watch, I can just set up a timer, uh, look at the time. It's super easy for cooking and I love it for as a a cooking accessory. Um, Fitness stuff, that's... um, that was one of the features that I was most excited about the watch. But with WatchOS, two, WatchOS 1, uh, third-party apps, which were what I wanted to use, were basically useless because they didn't have native performance or native access to sensors. Now that there's WatchOS 2, I'm downloading a bunch of apps and I'm getting into a new, a new exercise routine for, for the new year. So I'm kind of rethinking the entire fitness part and that 
that I'm still not sure about. I have big hopes for watchOS 2 and fitness, but I'm still trying to understand what's the best app for me. Because the Apple Workout app doesn't really work for me because I don't do runs or walks. I do like stretching because of the of the physical therapy that I have to do for my leg. So I need to I need very specific apps and uh, I'm still browsing around the app store. In fact, if you guys have any any fitness app uh, for watchOS 2, any recommendations, please send them to me because I need to be aware of them. It's not easy to browse on the on the app store for, for the Apple Watch. It's not always updated and it's hard to find uh, app updates, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, right now it's notifications, um, phone calls, hanging up on people, I love that, and cooking pasta. That's what I do. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, also, I should say, controlling music, music and podcast playback. I love the the, yep. the, the, yep. the remote glance. Also, that one. Yeah, I'm similar in a lot of those ways. The music and podcast playback, notifications is a big thing for me. Uh, I like just you know the small actions on notifications that you can take. Yeah. Right is is very very good, and I like that a lot. Um, there are some apps that is like a you know I've always I always mentioned you as a just a fantastic OS uh, watch OS app like it's just just superb. I don't even think that they've had an OS two update and it still feels as responsive as any app that I use on my watch. Um, I don't actually know how they do it, uh, but it's just brilliant. Um, and I mean you know some of the activity tracking stuff is good. Like it's nice that I have it and I think about it and and act upon it and and you know I, I still like that stuff. Uh, I'm maybe one of the only people in the world that likes digital touch um, because you know me and Adina we use it in a meaningful oh, way. That, yes, me and me and Sylvia too. Okay, uh, good. Actually, whenever I drive Sylvia to the, to the to class every day. She says, because of Rome's crazy traffic and there's a, a dangerous intersection be- before we get home, she wants to know every time when I get home safely. And we used to send each other a text message when I got home. Now I just tap uh, on the watch. She gets a tap, she responds, and we know that everything's fine, I'm home. So yes, we're also using that in a very practical way. It's also fun, but it's also, you know, practical. And yeah. it's faster, because whenever I'm parking, I don't have to reach out to my phone and write a text message, and it's, you know, it's boring. I can just, you know, uh, hold up the watch, tap the side button, and tap on, 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 the, on the friend icon to send a bunch of taps, which is nice, also useful, yeah. Steven, I assume that was you. Just sent me a little digital touch. I did. As yeah. was talking, I was like, I haven't sent one in weeks. I just sent one to Mike. I don't have that phone number. Oh, yeah. I'm on a T-Mobile sim today, yeah. which is an interesting... A story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> my, my watch usage really aligns closely with you guys. I really like the notifications. I will say, working at home, I'm much more prone to use Siri just throughout the day than when I had an office. And so I will respond to text messages or whatnot just on my, even if I'm sitting at my computer, sometimes just on the watch via dictation. Uh, a lot for things like timers and alarms and, and for the, the workout stuff too. It, it has not really made any impact in other types of usage. So I don't like review my OmniFocus list for the day on my watch. I'm going to do it on my computer or my phone. Uh, you know, those sort of things like, I know it can do them, but maybe it was watchOS 1 and I'm just have been turned off for the idea, but it's just going to be slower and more clunky on the watch. And so why why do that when I, when I already have a phone or a Mac at hand? So uh, we'll see if that changes over time, but at this point, 
you know, it's a it's a fitness tracker with notifications, and and that's really about it. Yeah, but see, the thing is, I'm okay with that. Like, the, the Apple Watch is a, a device that I use very simply, but it has become an important device that I own, and that I put on every day, and and I like mm-hmm. it. And and one of the key things for me is Adina puts hers on every day too, and yeah. and that for me is is more of a, a an interesting data point. Then for me, like if we are planning on staying at home, she puts her watch on in the morning, same as I do. And that is, you know, I, I, that is for me as key uh, a thing as, as anything else. Because she, she, somebody who doesn't care about this stuff just for the sake of caring about it, um, continues to use and, and, and make use of her watch every single day. Like one of the other big things, timers for cooking. Uh, I use my Apple Watch for that constantly. Um, and, and that is not constantly, only when I'm cooking, of course, like I don't use timers for cooking when I'm not cooking, uh, but it is something that I use and, and I really like, and I like that it's just simple to set up. Um, and I've even started, I was doing this today and something I'm going to think about doing is using timers for working. Um, so yeah. like saying, all right, I'm going to do this for an hour and then just sitting down and just powering through it for, through something for an hour at a time and use, having the timer complication on the watch face, which I set today, um, I, I might keep that on there and try and use that as a system for myself. I might talk about that later if I do. But, I mean, I know people are down on the watch or whatever, I, I think, in some circles, but for me it has become uh, an important part of, of my computing life, I think. Yeah, I cannot just say uh, mm-hmm. the very simple act of wearing the watch it makes me look cool it's nice to look at it's yeah. a nice accessory and i have i have bought uh four different bands i have the milanese loop i have the leather loop i have a black sport band and i just bought a red sport band and i think i can change the watch depending on you know my outfit and it, and it's nice it's a nice thing to wear that's the the basic aspect of wearing a watch for me. Yeah, I agree. And it's nice and customizable. Yeah. Right, I think that about wraps up this week. Um, if you would like to catch our show notes, you can head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 59. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors this week, the good people over at Squarespace, Hover, and Casper. If you want to find us individually online, you can go to Twitter. Uh, Stephen is at ISMH. Federico is at the Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico also writes over at maxstories.net. Don't forget to sign up for Club Max Stories. Um, and he's also the host of Virtual on Relay FM with myself and Stephen writes over at 512pixels.net and he is also the host of Liftoff on Relay FM with the wonderful Jason Snell. Uh, thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye guys. Arrivederci. Adios.